Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry, the co-founder of Ignite DA. Thank you so much for joining us and always saying thank you to this next gentleman for joining us. Uh, you all love him. I know by the statistics and by the comments that we get, and that is dental's pharmacology expert, Tom Viola. Tom, how are you, brother? Kevin, I am doing fine, my friend. How are you doing today? Okay. I am good. Uh, you know, uh, springtime, I think, has finally come to Colorado, so uh, it's nice to be able to put on short sleeves instead of a parka, man. I tell you, it's kind of nice. So. <laughs> <laughs> I agree more. Could not agree more. Hey, just saying. So, hey, uh, you know, you and I were talking right before we went on with this. You found a really interesting study. Uh, we always talk about that oral systemic connection, and man, I think you found another big link here. Yeah, this one came uh, directly from the Alzheimer's Association. You know, they, they have a, a pretty good journal uh, that, uh, on diagnosis, assessment, and disease monitoring. And, you know, I'm always with my radar up trying to find out, you know, how dental, dental implications affect systemic health. And, and sometimes there are clear-cut uh, connections and sometimes not so clear-cut. But in this case, uh, this was almost a, a too, too easy uh, to even imagine and too much to ignore. And it's the fact that uh, the study was conducted, published uh, in April uh, last month, April 12th, uh, that said that periodontal dysbiosis, meaning an alteration in the biome in the mouth, is actually associated with loss of cognition in the elderly. So essentially what they're saying is periodontal disease as a chronic inflammatory condition can be associated with both Alzheimer's disease and even Down syndrome. Wow. And, and that was one thing I was going to ask you. So let's one-on-one it here, because whenever we're talking about a change in, in the mouth, that's periodontal disease. Could that include xerostomia? I mean, what, what are some things that, that could make that change happen? Right. So the, what I found interesting about the study was they took, it's a small study. They took 48 uh, elderly folks that were cognitively normal. Okay. And they evaluated them for differences in their subgingival periodontal bacteria uh, using RNA, RNA sequencing. And then they did a cerebral spinal fluid uh, sample uh, bi to, for biomarkers uh, for amyloids and uh, neurofibrillary pathology. And what basically they came up with was this dysbiotic index to say, okay, if a patient has an abundance of known periodontal bacteria versus healthy bacteria, did that mean they were likely to have an increased risk of amyloid beta which we know is associated with things like Alzheimer's disease. And, and the, the, the results were, they believed that, yes, a higher subgingival periodontal dysbiosis was associated with a reduced amyloid beta, uh, but not with P-tau, which meant that you can be more susceptible to Alzheimer's disease and even Down syndrome as a result of this link with uh, a dysbiosis and the, the normal uh, occurring bacteria in the mouth. You know, I I, uh, I watched my grandmother battle Alzheimer's, and I mean, it, it's a horrible, horrible disease. And so I'm thinking there are so many people that have had family issues or friends who have gone through this. And, and I'm thinking that if we needed another reason to talk to people about the importance of their oral health, man, this this study right here, if that, if that doesn't raise your eyebrows, I'm not sure what will. And again, a lot of this is, we already knew a lot of, of what I'm about to say. Uh, and as the years and, and months go by, we're starting to see how they're becoming, you know, from theory to pretty much accepted to proven. And you saw that recently with the, uh, the recent announcement that there was a direct causal link between periodontal disease and cardiovascular disease. 
And so these other ancillary uh, attachments or these other ancillary uh, indications for periodontal disease causing um, other issues with the body, even in this case, the brain, are also following that same track. They start out as theories and they move along to where, you know, there's, there's a reason, high suspicion and then finally, you know, a causal relationship. So that was the purpose of this study was to just find out, you know, where we were. And, and, and they, do, they do say in the study that further modeling is necessary uh, to establish the direct link between oral bacteria and amyloid beta plaques. So they, they know that it's there. They, they are highly suspicious uh, and, and there is a relationship. So now the idea is, okay, how do we prove it? And, and I, I think back to whenever I first got into the dental field, it's, it's been a little over 20 years, but yeah, there was this whole, well, we think these things are connected. And, and like you said, we're seeing more and more and more evidence build forward. And, and I just sincerely hope that, that we as a profession haven't had our eyes glassed over by talking about the oral systemic link so much that we're not pushing out new information like this or new studies that show connections in there and really informing patients about it. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I, I wanted to know more about this study and I actually even say that in the study, I want to know, I want to further study to learn both the degree and the timing of Alzheimer's disease pathology with respect to periodontal disease. So it's chicken and egg, which comes first, you know, is it the periodontal disease that leads to the Alzheimer's disease or is it, are they, are they, is it the opposite? As a patient who has Alzheimer's disease now, um, more, less likely to take care of their mouth, less likely to practice good oral hygiene, right. and then subsequently get periodontal disease. You have to factor in the age thing too, certainly, right? That, that patients normally develop uh, amyloid plaques and, and Alzheimer's disease later in life when they may already be susceptible to periodontal disease. So it's hard to make these direct links and these causal relationships. But every study that I see like this points in that general direction and more studies pile up and more studies pile up and eventually we get to the point where okay we're pretty sure but this study came right out of the gate and said they believe there is a link now let's go find out what the timing is and that's i think that's revolutionary uh, because we know so little about alzheimer's disease and yet we've done so much research and and i i it's such a great point that you made because i i think about as as older americans and take not as great of care of their health their oral health as they can and and there's a number of reasons for that but man the domino effect you're exactly right if they're not taking care of their oral health and there's nobody there to really help them ensure that they're taking care of that just the the things that can happen because of that well and you know that's the other thing hygienists and dentists alike and, and assistants can can vouch for this we don't even know what we don't know yet. Uh, for example, what if it's one particular bacteria that causes more of the amyloid plaque buildup than all the others? You know, this study points out that there's a dysbiosis, right? So there's not an optimal mix of bacteria in the amount that we would normally consider to be healthy. Um, you know, P. gingivalis, for example, is expressed in 65 to 85% of the people with periodontal disease. Okay, so is it P. gingivalis? Because I also know what, actinomyces, uh, are, re are normally related with a, a very high anti-inflammatory host response. So again, I don't know. All I know is that the, if the bugs in the mouth, if you will, in my language, aren't optimal, then you're likely to get these other conditions. But is it one bacteria in particular that I need to be cautious of? Because that would really help lead the way for us to figure out 
maybe we can use antibiotic therapy. Although, as we've said, sometimes it's not so very effective uh, for, for treating uh, dysbiosis in the oral cavity. Uh, what else? Maybe there's a specific uh, genetic test I can do to see if you're more predisposed to that bacteria than other bacteria. Or even a simple, simple saliva test could tell me if you have a greater colonization of one of these bacteria over another, does that increase your risk over time? Not just for periodontal disease, but also for these other systemic illnesses. And can I, the dental professional, therefore, dentist, hygienist, assistant, step in and maybe through early intervention, change literally the course of your future? What a cool thought is that, that seriously, we may get to that point where we know ahead of time and, and the dental teams roll with that. I mean, that's fascinating to this. I see this next generation of dentists and team members coming out there. And man, there's so many things I think that they're going to be able to do that, that we're just going to shake our head at. Agreed, buddy. And again, it's hard to get studies of, of sufficient volume of subjects because this is such a, a limited group to begin with. You're trying to find people who are, are older, right, who are cognitively still functioning at what we consider to be a normal level, and then make a determination on whether or not because of the, the change in bacteria in their mouth, if they're more susceptible. Well, we'd have to follow them for a while to really be able to determine that. So it's hard to get big sample sizes and big groups of patients Yes. Does that inevitably lead to results that can be challenged because the sample size wasn't big enough? Yes. But, you know, that's why we need to rely on more and more research and more and more volume of studies to really make that determination. But, yeah, imagine if yeah. we can make that change clinically to affect, you know, their future. It's, it's uh, to me, it's a very it's a, a good thing to have in our in our toolkit, oh but also very heartwarming to know we make that such a such a difference in a patient's life. Yeah, and, and, and I do see these small studies that come out, and, and, and I know a lot of people raise their eyebrows and things like that, but it's a step. And that's the exciting thing to me is that we've got to get off the, the tee somewhere to use the golf analogy, you know, uh, and, and to have this and then build upon it and keep building upon it until we actually can put something together, that's fantastic. You know, the thing, Kevin, that always bothered me about dentistry was, you know, we seem to be very reactive in dentistry. We're always sort of, you know, cleaning up the mess. We're always sort of, you know, okay, this is what's happening now. How are we going to fix it? We're always trying to fix the damage once the damage has already been done. But studies like this give me hope because once I know that I can be proactive and avoid disease, and not just disease of the oral cavity, but also systemic disease from simple biomarkers and simple tests like this, that gives me hope that, you know, we're going to turn that around in dentistry. We're going to turn that around in medicine and be much more proactive than we've been reactive all this time. I love that thought. That is such a great thought. I mean, that it, it honestly gives me a little bit of chills because I, I think about this, you know, future generations and, and the medical and dental advances that they're going to have at their disposal that, that you know, will be long gone probably, but still. It's going to be fascinating to see for sure. So, uh, you know, and, and Tom, one more thing, just kind of segue here a little bit, because I know we've talked so much about COVID-19 in past um, past podcasts, and we, it, you and I have said so many times, we're going to learn so much about this moving forward with this stupid virus, as you like to call it, which is exactly right. You know, and, and I think about all the things that we're going to be learning about everything and, and our health moving forward. And people are so in tune, I think, right now with their health because of the pandemic that maybe this is that time to start mentioning studies, really start reemphasizing that oral systemic link. If you felt like that, you know, you've just kind of hit a wall with that, this could be the time to really reintroduce it. 
when you think about it from the context you just laid out, Kevin, this is fascinating to me because basically at the end of the day, everything revolves around inflammation. Right, we've got oral inflammation, which can lead to systemic inflammation. COVID nineteen brings on, you know, respiratory inflammation. Of course, we don't know the, any causal relationship now between whether you've had COVID nineteen and future maladies, but I'm sure we probably will. The point is, imagine if there was a way to tie all of this together and say it's the inflammatory mediators in our own body that are causing havoc with things like insulin resistance, leading to type two diabetes, uh, atherosclerosis, leading to cardiovascular disease. And, and uh, let's say respiratory uh, illness that can lead to things like COPD and so on. What, imagine if we can make that connection early on and avoid those potential futures because we knew that all of it had to deal with inflammation. What greater role would anti-inflammatory steroids and other medications that reduce inflammation, sort of at a prehistoric level now when you think about it, what other medications can we produce that would be at a more a higher level that would reduce systemic inflammation and have this cascade of good effects throughout the body where we could hopefully maybe even eliminate uh, the, the mass you know, uh, induction of people into cardiovascular disease and, and, and diabetes type 2 simply because of inflammation being a constant source of grief in their life. Wow. Uh, a cascade of good effects. I like that. I'm telling you right now, because I think we all need some good stuff after this past year. And to know that, you know, I mean, to see how quickly the vaccine rolled out, to see how quickly that, you know, we're still battling COVID, but still all the good things that can happen when medicine and dentistry, as you said, becomes proactive rather than reactive. You know, it, it, it's a good thing. So, I'm just thrilled that you're out there, man, because I tell you what, things like this, I would never know. And things like this, I'd never get excited about because I wouldn't have any clue that they were out there. And that's why I'm so thankful to have you not only as a friend, but also as that uh, guy with his uh, finger on the pulse of what's going on. Yeah, but you know what, Kevin, I can do all the research and, and uh, I can I can nerd out as much as I want. But if it wasn't for people like you to get the word out there, the word wouldn't be out there. So thank you for all you do, again, to support the professions of dentistry, dental hygiene, and dental assisting. I mean, without you, where would we be? I'll be, I'll be uh, your Robin to your Batman anytime, brother. Trust <laughs> me on that one. Absolutely, I will. I don't know if I want to wear the tights, though, buddy. I have to tell you. <laughs> yeah, let me, uh, let me get rid of the COVID-15s before that happens. Nobody <laughs> wants to see that. Trust me. So. <laughs> uh, hey, and let's make sure people know where to find you and, and uh, can, can geek out with you a little bit on all the good stuff that you've got. Absolutely. So anybody can find me anytime on my website. It's TomViola.com. And uh, all over social media at uh, Pharmacology Declassified. And Tom, seriously, thanks for all you do, man. I really do appreciate it. And I, I always love what you bring to the podcast. Always good stuff. Thanks again. Thanks, my friend. And thanks to all of you for listening. You know, Tom can do all the research. Tom and I can sit down and talk about all the research. But you know what? It takes you getting out there then and talking about it with your patients. It takes you learning a little bit more about it and having the confidence to bring it up the next time that a patient comes into your practice and is sitting in the chair. So we've done our part and we're happy to help you with your part as well, but make sure that you're prepared to do that part. And if you ever need us, Hey, Tom, Tom is on social media, pharmacology declassified. You can find him tomviola.com. You can find us at ignite dental assistance on Instagram or ignite DA on Facebook. We're happy to help in any way that we can. But for now, Kevin Henry, Co-founder of Ignite DA signing off, wishing you good health ahead. Together we rise.